some of you. Uh, as mentioned, I was the transition pastor uh, prior to, to Prentice's arrival. Uh, but I know for a bunch of you, and this is such a good thing for a church, like you have like no idea who I am and you, you, you're totally unaware of that transition time. It, you know, you're newer to the community. And, uh, you know, showing up this morning and seeing new faces is, is just a super healthy sign. So, so good job, uh, good job, church, uh, for welcoming new folks in. Uh, I wanted to just say a couple more things. I'm a big fan of Prentice, really like Prentice. I remember when Prentice was at Green Lake, and I just, I liked his energy. And I don't know if you know this, but I think pound for pound, Prentice is probably the strongest pastor in America. I mean, the dude is just fabulously strong, which, uh, in addition to a bunch of other spiritual qualities, I just like, I like that. And, uh, you know, like, yeah, my pastor's like uh, super strong. Um, and then to, to share the service with Chelsea is cool for, for me. My brain always says Chelsea Leatherberry because Candy and I, my wife, we used to be involved at uh, Bellevue Presbyterian Church, and that's where Chelsea was and her family, and I know her dad, Rich, who's a, a pastor at Bellevue. Uh, so kind of a sense of connection there, and uh, fun to see Chelsea here with you. So that's, uh, that's all of that kind of stuff. Hey, this morning I get to conclude your sermon series on Philippians. I'm assuming that you have in your head some sense of, yes, we've been, we've been studying Philippians. Uh, that's been the series that you've been in, and, and I get to, to, to sort of bring it home this morning looking at Philippians chapter 4 and uh, that, that last part of Philippians. And let me just kind of set up my, my message today by saying this, if at least in my Bible, and I'm guessing your Bibles, if you look at those verses in chapter 4 of Philippians, they kind of are broken into two larger paragraphs, and then Paul's closing verses way at the end. So it's like these, these two paragraphs, and I'll, I'll build my talk around those two paragraphs. And I, as I was studying the text, it felt like a, you know, a reasonable way to go, because in that first paragraph... Uh, Paul very much, in my opinion, focuses on the, the personal, the individual aspect of faith, the personal dynamic. Might even call it Christian individualism. It's my relationship with Christ. And you'll hear it in the pronouns when I, when I read uh, the text in just a minute here. So that first section is, is the individualistic dimension of faith. And this shows up in our, in our singing a lot. I mean, you get, you get both, but, uh, you know, for some reason, some of the old hymns came to, came to mind, but like, I have decided to follow Jesus just as I, I am without one plea, and though I can't remember them because I'm not that sharp. Some of our, our songs this morning had that, that individual uh, dimension uh, focused. 
my relationship with Christ. That's going to be the first paragraph. But then Paul shifts to the more of the community dynamic, the communal element. And uh, this, this notion of we're not just in it alone, we're part of a community. And again, when I read that, the, the pronouns, you'll hear the pronoun shift as well. And I think it's a deal, uh, as we look at these, these two paragraphs, where you, you could construe it as an, a kind of an either-or, you know, like, wait, isn't it either my relationship with Jesus or the community? You know the answer, no, it's a, it's a both-and. It's both. They, they go together. It's a personal relationship, and that relationship makes me part of, of the community. Um, again, as I was reflecting on the text, it seems to me that in the New Testament, we have several of, of these kind of pairings where you could think of it as either or, or split them apart, but the, it's both and stuff. You know, faith and works. You know, is it faith, faith versus works? No, it's faith, relationship with Christ, and what we're called to do. Jesus said, you too will do the works I do. James said, faith without the works is dead. Paul, in lots of places, says something along the lines, it varies a little bit, but it's if you individually are a follower of Christ by faith, you should, your life should reflect that in, in how you live our, your life. So the faith work thing, the worship or mission, you know, is it worship or is it mission? It's both and. Um, and then one of my favorite verses, speaking the truth in love. You know, there again, there's kind of this polarity. We want to speak the truth, but we do it in love. And, and we want to be loving, but there will be those times where we speak the truth. So this is almost a, a kind of an aside, I guess, in my message, but it just seems to me that as Christians, or people seeking to understand what it means to be a Christian, you bump into these couplets, these pairings, that could be separated, but in fact, kind of hold, hold together. So today, the one we will focus on is, yes, it's my individual relationship with Christ, and it's the community of faith that that I'm a part of. And uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read a paragraph and then preach a little bit and then read the second paragraph and preach a little bit. Uh, I don't have a sermon outline because I wasn't ready for it on Thursday morning, the deadline they had given me. But if I had a sermon outline, that would, that would be it. So first paragraph read, a little bit of teaching. Second paragraph read, a little bit of teaching. So let me read first Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Um, and again, in all, of, in all of these readings, be thinking of this, in the, the, the pronoun thing almost, like is it I, is it we, kind of that, that dynamic. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, 
For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then key verse, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So again, the, the focus in this first paragraph, uh, this sense of my individual relationship with Christ. Now, let me just anticipate kind of a, maybe a response or critique. It isn't that a, a kind of rugged individualism a bad thing? Do we really want to just be kind of individualistic? Key to see, that's not what Paul's talking about. A rugged individualism, a self-sufficiency. I've said it already, but the, the key verse here is verse 13. Paul says, I can do all things, not period. I can do all things, period, no. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. And he's listed this kind of life situation stuff, both in the positive, but also the, the negative. Whatever my situation, low, high, uh, facing plenty, hunger, abundance, need. Whatever, it seems to me, Paul's saying, whatever life throws at me, I can, through, through Christ, Face that. All things through Christ. I think this captures a a kind of a a big swath of Scripture. There are those times in life whether whether, uh, it feels like it's the case or, in fact, it is the case where we're kind of standing alone. Not a lot of folks with us. Some biblical imagery. You know, when David faced Goliath, you've read the story or have heard it, you know, the, Saul's armies were, were kind of held back. It was David alone who went out on that battlefield. Or Jesus uh, facing the cross. You know, ultimately, he did that alone. And there are times in life, I believe, where it either feels like it's the case, as I've said, or is the case, that we are facing a situation alone. And what I want to really emphasize and preach today from this scripture is that at those moments when it either feels like we're alone or, in fact, we're alone, in Christ, we're not alone. Christ is with us. Christ stands with us. He, he promised, never leaves us or forsakes us. So when we feel alone, when we feel like, hey, it's just me in this thing, by faith we remember, but Christ is with me. I stand with Christ. I'm going to... uh, I, maybe this is public knowledge, but uh, 
your next sermon series. Do you guys know what your next sermon series is? I think I can reveal this. It's Psalm 23. Is it, I think, I'm guessing it starts next week. Um, I told my wife, Candy, this morning, I checked it out with my, my wife, who's the executive pastor of, of Bethany. I said, the next sermon series is Psalm 23, isn't it? She said, yeah, that's what it is. I said, you know, a good, a good uh, series title would have been 23 and Me. Wouldn't, what, or 23 and Us, you know, the DNA testing. She, she thought that was an okay idea. Um, but listen to this dynamic we're talking about. Okay, I can do all things through Christ. Those times where I feel alone or I am alone, Christ is with me. Listen to David's version. I I think it's David's version of the same faith dynamic. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. All individualistic language. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Main point in this section, those times when we feel alone or in fact we are alone, through Christ, we're not alone. He is present with us. I thought of an experience I had, it's been a few years ago now, but it's what, what came to my mind to illustrate this. Uh, both of my kids are adopted. Our, we have a daughter and a son. The son's the younger of the two. And his name is Mason. Some of you maybe have met Mason. Um, uh, and ad- adoption is, uh, the process is quite an experience. Anyway, we were adopting Mason. We're all excited. My wife, Kendi, and her mom were uh, two hours away from Seattle uh, with Mason in the hospital. You know, it was all, everything was thumbs up, looking good. I was in downtown Seattle at, I think it was the King County Courthouse, some big, officious uh, feeling and looking government building. And for adoption to go through, the, the child is born, then there's a waiting period, and then it's, it's finalized legally. So my task, my assignment was to be at the courtroom to get that final step of, you know, it's all good, Mason is yours, take him home from the hospital. I was there with our attorney, um, and uh, it was our turn. We stood before the judge. Judge was reviewing papers. You know, everything was in order. Uh, he was asking me some questions. He seemed like, you know, good guy. Uh, and then a clerk brought in a piece of paper to the judge. And the judge asked to see our attorney. 
I had a sense this wasn't a good thing, that the piece of paper, you know, brought my attorney to the judge. They had a little confab. Uh, my attorney came back to me and said, they've changed their mind. The birth, birth, the dad, birth dad changed his mind. <sighs> the attorney said, hey, there's a room you can, you can uh, just go sit in, let me check on some stuff. So uh, they took me to a room. You know in cop shows, those rooms where they uh, interrogate a suspect, usually they're handcuffed to the table. It was like that, it was like government issue, room, just terrible. And this old furniture, and she put me in there, I think wanting to you know, get me a place to just be with my thoughts. And uh, I was sitting there, and I got a, a phone call. And it was my sister-in-law who was watching our daughter, the older of what will be our two kids, and was at our house. And she said, a family came by. A family's here from my church. And I said, yeah. She said, somebody named Rudy has taken his own life. I said, Rudy? Rudy, what should I do? So the, the wife and kids of a husband who took his life are at my house. So I'm sitting in this, you know, the government issue holding tank. The adoption just seems to have fallen apart. And a fellow I knew real well from my church it took his life and his family's at my house. And I just felt totally alone at that point. I've never had a, a, like a nervous or mental breakdown or, you know. But I came, I think, I, I came super close to a sense of this is too much. Like this is just so bad. And this office, this holding room is so terrible. And I, there's nothing I like about this. Lord, I need help. I need you at this moment. And I, you know, I can't say, yeah, and everything changed when I remember to say that prayer. But there was, a, there was a presence. There was a sense of God's presence and strength. And the feeling of, you know, I was alone, but I, I wasn't really alone. I wasn't truly alone alone. My Lord Jesus Christ was there with me. Um, oh, and the birth parents, they changed their mind again, and the adoption went through. So Mason's a junior down at TCU right now, doing just great. Um, and some years later, I did the weddings of both those kids whose dad had taken his own life. Um, so with time, sometimes you see the healing that, that God does. Um, I'm just a guest here today. You know, I know some of you um, with that light. I, I actually can't really see any of you. 
I don't know what I look like to you. Um, so I don't know you super well. But, uh, oh, thank you. Um, but I know other human beings. And I'm a human being. And, and you're human beings. And just with a, a, a sample size about this big, I'm guessing there are folks this morning who may be feeling something, some life situation thing where it can feel like, I, I'm kind of alone in this. And it's, it's scary. And I, you have my, my love and my prayers, but I just need, I need to say, I need to affirm to you, even though it feels like you're alone. If you're a follower of Jesus, you in fact, are not alone. You're even in that valley of the shadow of death. Your faithful shepherd, your Lord, is with you. Well, that's the first, uh, first paragraph, that the individual element. Let me read the second paragraph. Paul continues... Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment And more, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I love the transition there from verse 13 to 14. Uh, Verse 13, again, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 14, yet it was so kind of you to share my trouble. The connection, the connection between followers of Jesus. It's not just, it wasn't just Paul and Jesus Though, as I stressed in the first part, man, that's a reality we want to hold on to uh, with both hands. It was Paul and Jesus, the Philippians and Jesus, this partnership, Paul uses that word multiple times in Philippians, the partnership that they share in the gospel, the body of Christ dynamic, the communal dynamic Shared faith, shared prayers. In our passage, Paul's thinking of financial support, like the shared gifts given, and shared people. Timothy and Epaphroditus sent back and forth. Man, there's connection there. Um, You know, Jesus, Jesus had 12. And then from the 12, he had three that he just needed to be close with. I read through the Bible each year, with a program called Daily Audio Bible. And we're in the passion narratives right now of Matthew's gospel. 
you know, Garden of Gethsemane stuff. And Jesus, even in that incredible moment, brings some of the disciples with him. Like, be with me. Wait with me. Now, sidebar, they fail miserably. They fall asleep. Jesus even says, can't you stay awake one hour? (laughs) Uh, So the bar is pretty low for what the requirements for being a disciple. Isn't that good news? Um, But he had them close. So the sense of community. Uh, you read in the book of Acts, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Who, who is the Spirit poured out on? The Spirit is poured out on the gathered community. So we all personally, personally say yes to Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, absolutely. It's that individual relationship. But as we do that, we're gathered into a community, the body of Christ. And Paul teaches and he models this connectedness, this sense of community, uh, this shared affection. And I love the, the word he uses in 14, yet it was, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Just a, a kind of mutual kindness toward one another in the Christian community. I think a key here, especially in our culture, is we've got to be intentional about this one. That's that communal aspect, being connected. I joked about, you know, you're missing the pancakes next, next week. Uh, but even, and this is ancient tradition stuff, right? Share a meal. Be with fellow followers of Jesus and have some food. I like that. But it, it's, it takes effort. We can live in you know, get into our personal lives, our family life, or in our separate house, and we just kind of can be separate from others. It takes some effort. The church, I heard it put this way once, the church can way too easily, like on Sunday mornings, be like uh, one neighbor, and maybe you have this experience, on trash day, neighbors will see each other, Eh, and that's about it. He, you know that guy, his, the house he lives in, and you'll wave at him if you see him. I have neighbors like this. Hey, walking our dogs, taking trash out. But I, I'm not positive of his name. It's just a, hey, if we're not intentional, this body of Christ here can be that. Hey, See, yeah, I got to get going. So intentionality, i.e., some kind of break it into small groups. And, and uh, Prentice didn't, like, tell me to say this. I'm just w- taking a wild stab that we, I want to be an encouragement of getting yourself in some kind of smaller group, something that where community can actually take place. Kendi and I are in a couples group, just two other couples, so six of us. We get together every couple of weeks. We eat. We uh, laugh. We study something, more or less, and we pray together. And all these communal things the New Testament talks about, that's where that can happen. More easily. More easily where you're actually connected 
to other folks. Um, I've been in a group with two other guys. Kenny and I call them my guys group. <clears throat> 29 years. Mitch, Scott, Tyler. Is Chelsea... Chelsea knows these people. I don't know where Chelsea... There's Chelsea. Scott Burbank. Um, we have gotten together since 1989. I think my math is correct. Uh, I'm not great at math. I think that's 29 years. Almost every week, for an hour, three guys, we go in a circle. What's happening in your life? What's happening in your life? What's happening in your life? Okay, now let's pray. You pray for A, prays for B, B, pray. I mean, it's like super simple. And it's an incredible blessing. I mean, it's, it's career, over the 29 years, career stuff, kid stuff, uh, health stuff, death of parent stuff. You know, who, who do you share that with and pray together if you're not in some kind of, some kind of small group? So just to recap, part A of the sermon, that individual dynamic. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yet it was so kind of you, it was so kind of you to share in my struggle, the community together. Hey, I used to do this every now and then at this church when I was your transition pastor. <clears throat> A lot of you are new, so that means nothing to you. This will mean nothing to you. But a couple, three times, I invited you to just uh, any... Anything in the scripture strike you or, or something I said or a thought totally unrelated <laughs> that, but is related to this material that you would like to share with the community? Is there a reflection, a question, not another sermon, um, but just, just raise your hand and and in a setting like this we can do it and it's totally okay if the, you know we all get uncomfortable you feel sorry for me if nobody raises their hand don't don't worry about it but let me just let me open it up Br just brief reflection kind of stuff together as we've gathered around um, philippians today thoughts feelings, reflections, questions. Reading now the final verses from Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As we head out into our day and into our week to love and to serve the Lord, I pray that the grace and peace of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, will be with each of us and those we love now and always.
And all of God's people said,